What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've heard it said many times, many ways. I believe it was Johnny Avello at DraftKings who once said to me, you know, if you get that app on your phone, it's a wonderful thing. You can bet to your heart's content and not have to walk up to a window. But what ends up happening is that you always zero out what is in the app before you cash anything. There's a moral to this story. Budget your gambling money. That's the subject today. Welcome to the Everything Guide to Sports Betting, the VSIN podcast up and running. Ron Flatter and Josh Applebaum with the latest lesson plan. Josh, budgeting. I mean, it's no different than household bills and your electric bill and your gas bill and the water bill. And you got everything for food. Why not have it for gambling? I mean, it's an expense, right? So why don't you budget? You're exactly right, Ron. Yeah, today we're going to talk about bankroll management, which is a term I think uh, maybe some new betters don't really put too much stock into, but you may you may hear it you know thrown around here and there. And we're going to talk about what is bankroll management, what is your bankroll, why is managing your bankroll with discipline and consistency important? Because mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in the end, really, you know, being reckless with your bankroll can really, really set you uh, on a bad course and really, you know, go from having uh, sports betting be a really fun and prosperous endeavor into something that uh, is very frustrating and you, and you lose everything. So right. you want to make sure that when you're betting on sports, you have uh, a disciplined approach. We're going to talk about two basic strategies today. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about uh, flat betting as well as Kelly Criterion. We'll talk about also just some strategies uh, to try to uh, increase your wins, decrease your losses, and you know how many games should you bet each day? How much money should you bet on each game? These are questions that all new bettors uh, hmm. want to know and need the answer to, and hopefully today we'll help them out with that, Ron. 
Well, it's one thing to say disposable income, but I had a guy who taught me horse racing decades ago who said, leave the rent money at home. I think that applies to more than just the racetrack, and it even applies while you're at home. Leave it away from your app. But let's talk about disposable income and what you can afford to lose. These are questions you have to ask yourself as you go forward. So before we get into the types of bankroll management, why don't we at least start with the mindset, whether you're a professional gambler or just a casual better getting started. Yeah, so first off, Ron, we got to, you know, define these terms in basic, basic terms. So what is your bankroll? Your bankroll is the amount of money that you've set aside specifically and only for betting on sports. So, uh, you know, a good way to describe it, like you said, Ron, is disposable income. You know, the first thing you got to know when you're getting into sports betting is that, you know, we all have lofty expectations. We all want to do well. We all, all want to become a millionaire overnight. But you got to kind of, you know, uh, prepare for the worst, you know, hope for the best. But always know that, you know, you have to set aside your bankroll to start with. So again, that's the money you've set aside only for betting on sports. And kind of a basic question you should ask yourself. And again, the number in terms of what your bankroll will be will obviously be different for different people. Your income level, you know, uh, how bold or conservative you want to be with how much money you're, uh, you're, you can, you know, you're willing to set aside for sports betting. But the number one question, Ron, is how much can I afford to yes. lose? And that... That is key because that number right there is going to, uh, again, if you have a number that's too high, then, you know, you got to decrease your bankroll. You know, if you number too low and you can play around with some more money, it's important to be properly funded at the beginning because, you know, if you if you don't have enough money to start with, uh, I know a lot of betters and new betters, especially if you're only starting with 50 bucks and you have a bad night and you're already down to, you know, five bucks left in your account you're really not going to be clear-eyed. You're going to worry uh, more about losing money than making money. So if you can be well-funded at the beginning, that's going to help mm. you a lot down the road. But um, Ron, how would you suggest to someone coming up with a number that they're comfortable with? I mean, um, you know, how, how did you decide your bankroll when you first started? Well, I make sure I pay all my bills first. Uh, it goes back to leave the rent money at home. Make sure you pay all your bills first and you look at certain things. When I first started going into gambling, it was when I was single. And so I had as disposable income, how much am I spending on dates? How many dates am I going on? <laughs> there were times I was gambling a lot more because I was dating a little bit less. Not by choice, <laughs> but you understand where I'm going there. But in that respect, how much are you spending to go out to drink? How much are you spending to go put gas in the car, hopefully, uh, you know, before you went out and drank? And <laughs> how much are you spending just to go ahead and eat out? Those are all things that come into play here. That's part of the disposable part of the income. It's not the part that you're dealing with when you're talking about the rent and the car payment and the insurance payment and all that. Make sure you deal with all that first. I have to admit, in my younger days, I wasn't always organized about that. I'd be taking off when I was living in Northern California to go to Tahoe, and within 10 minutes, I'd blown all the money I had intended to spend on gambling at the blackjack table in just a few hands. And suddenly now I'm left with a weekend where I have to ask myself, do I dip into the extra bankroll? And then I had to say, no, no, no. And I have to admit, I was pretty disciplined about that. Others are not so fortunate with their money. And I think it's important, as you said there, Josh, set that number. And once you hit it, if you've lost it, that's it. That's enough. I, it's easier said than done, but I don't think we can emphasize that enough. Yeah, I think, and you know, again, Ron, you know, this show, the Everything Guide to Sports Betting, you know, we just try to provide benchmarks and tips and things that again are easier said than done and you know when you're betting on sports you get so excited you want to bet more yeah. and more when you're winning um but really these are the things that 
you know, I would even say before you start betting on sports, before you pick a game, before you bet a game, map out your bankroll management strategy because you got to kind of get that out of the way because that's really going to help you mm -hmm. down the road because as we know in, in sports betting, you know, Ron, there's ups and downs. You know, you'll get hot, you'll get cold, you'll feel like you're winning every play and, and you're untouchable, you'll feel like you're losing every play and, you, you know, you can't hit the ocean from, uh, you know, from the from the bridge or from the boat or whatever that, that phrase is, Ron, but um, yeah, I think the that's, pier. it could be the pier. <laughs> exactly. The pier. So yeah, that's just, just key. And again, when you come up with that number, that's important to you, right? Ass assume that you're going to lose all of that. And if you lost all of that, would that negatively impact your life? Would it cause you, because right. the worst thing you want to do is take out a loan. The worst thing you want to do is oh. beg your friends for money. You never, ever, ever want to get to that point. You want to oh, make yeah. sure that if the worst possible outcome happens and I lose all that money, will I still be okay? And if and if the answer to that is yes, you'll still be okay, then sounds like that's a pretty decent bankroll you can roll with. Yeah, young man, never a borrower nor a lender be. <laughs> okay, so there are, as we mentioned, two different approaches to this. Now, I'm going to learn something today because, frankly, until I saw what we were going to talk about, I had not heard about one of these. But we'll talk about the Kelly Criterion shortly. Let's get to the basic one, the one that I subscribe to, and that is the bankroll management style known as flat betting. Yeah, so Ron, this is kind of the most basic one, the easiest one, and I, I would really suggest flat betting for anyone who's really new to sports betting and just getting into sports betting. And um, also, I prescribe to flat betting, and you know, again, we'll talk about later with Kelly Criterion, that's kind of the opposite of flat betting, and there's definitely pros and cons to both. But what you're doing with flat betting is basically you're taking the most consistent and disciplined approach that you possibly can. So the whole goal with flat betting is that you're risking the same amount on every single game, regardless of your confidence level. I think a new, uh, you know, a big mistake new bettors make is, again, not only do they not have a bankroll management strategy, but they're just betting based on a whim. They love this game. They're going to bet a lot in it. It's a lean, but they're not totally sold. Maybe it's a little bit less a game that, you know, again, you're just going to pick and choose what you want to bet on it. And then that can really get you in trouble because let's say you bet two games, one game you loved and you put more on, one game you lost and put less on. You know, you could be down big even if you go one and one on those because you put more on the one you lost. So the whole goal with flat betting is it takes away a lot of your bias. It takes away um, a lot of your, um, you know, your personal bias toward I'm more confident in this game, so I'm going to bet more on this game. That's when you can really get in trouble overall. Um, but flat betting to me, Ron, is basically, again, you're betting the same amount on every single game and you're playing the long game. You're, you're in the back of your mind. You're realizing that, again, I hate to break it to you, Ron, but no one becomes a millionaire overnight betting on sports. So when you're flat betting, what, what you're doing is just playing the long game. You're knowing that there will be ups and downs, but I'm going to look at it as investing. I'm going to try to, you know, get a half a unit, a unit every day and, you know, limit my losses and just get as many days in the green as I possibly can and just try to extrapolate that over the course of the long haul. So to me, flat betting is just that long, consistent, disciplined approach. And we can get into, uh, you know, what that means specifically number wise. Yeah. And by the way, there is a way you can become a millionaire betting on sports instantly, Josh. You, you walk in with a billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh. Maybe you cut it down to a million. After That's that. right. Yeah. You don't know exactly. what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to an old racetrack uh, piece of uh, advice right there. Okay. So, and by the way, around the edges of this and where I start to drift a little bit from a specific amount on every game is when I look at the price I might get or have to put up. For instance, if I see plus money on a game, 
and it's a lot of plus money, I might bet a little bit less than I will on a game where the payoff might be even money or a minus circumstance. So it varies, and it comes back to confidence level. And I know that starts to morph into what we're going to talk about on the backside. But how does that nuance come into play for you in what might be just a way to gray area all of this? Yeah, so I think the important thing is that, you know, in the end, you're the final arbiter of your bankroll. You decide what you want to do. No one can make you bet in one way or another way. So again, you know, if you're getting plus money on a dog, plus 150, plus 120, whatever the number may be, if you're comfortable with betting a little less, because if you hit it, you're going to get a bigger payout, then you can, you know, take that into account. So there is some wiggle room overall, depending on uh, the price, the odds, um, how much you're betting and how much you stand to win. Um, but the reason I do like flat betting, Ron, is just kind of, um, you know, once you get into that disciplined approach, you can just kind of grind long term. So what I think of it as, you know, and we'll give people, uh, our VEASAN listeners, kind of some benchmarks here. Um, yes. I would look at, you know, again, because this is important. So when you're betting, uh, flat betting, I think let's give some some real hard cold numbers here. So Yeah, in fact, uh, because I was going to ask, it, it, yeah. does it depend in part on how many games you're going to be betting a day? I mean, some days I don't bet a game at all. Others I might bet four or five. Most days I'm only looking at one or two. So based on that, how much are you betting per game in terms of a percentage of what you've budgeted? Yeah, so I think, Ron, you know, a good medium to me is between 1% and 5% of your bankroll per bet or per play. So, uh, you know, you do have some more conservative uh, and even some pros, some sharp guys who only bet 1%, 2% per play. But again, their bankrolls are usually much higher. They're, you know, 1% of a thousand, 1% of a million is much bigger than 1% of 100. So, um, but then you get, you know, 4 or 5%. That's a little more bold. Um, you know, uh, if, if you if you feel, it basically it comes down to your personal preference. But mm-hmm. a good benchmark that I give out is just 3%. You know, 3% is kind of in the middle. And what I look at is whatever your starting bankroll is, multiply that by 0.03. So a good example would be, let's say you're starting with $1,000. So, You've set aside your $1,000. That's your disposable income. That's the amount of money you've set aside to bet on sports. Multiply that by 0.03. That means you're betting $30 a game. So basically, again, um, a unit, which is uh, kind of the amount of money um, consistently that you're going to bet. Something we mention all the time, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So a unit would be, uh, one unit for you would be $30. So your unit size each game would be $30, $1,000 bankroll. And that means with flat betting, you're, uh, you're betting $30 per game. Uh, now, again, $1,000 and you're only betting 30 you might say, you know, it's going to take me five lifetimes to make any money. That's not enough. But the whole goal of flat betting is knowing that there will be ups, there will be downs. Sports betting is volatile. It is unpredictable. And the worst thing that could happen is you bet too much, you know, too much up front. You're reckless with your bankroll. You know, you lose early. We, and we all lose early because sports betting is hard at the beginning when you really mm-hmm. don't know the rules of the road. And then you're out of the game before you even start. So, um, whatever your starting bankroll is, flat betting 3%, multiply it by 0.03. If you only have 100 bucks, nothing wrong with that. Uh, you're betting 3 bucks a game, which, again, does not seem too sexy, but that's kind of the goal of flat betting, um, riding that long-term grind and, and just making sure that when you're on a cold streak, you know, you're, you're going to survive it. You're not going to go bankrupt. And when you're winning and you're doing well, then you can really kind of stack uh, a positive return on investment. So, I always say, you know, sports betting is a marathon, not a sprint run. Right. Someone told me that a long time ago, and that's really, really helped me. And I think flat betting is just a basic, easy way for new bettors to just grind long term, 
and learn along the way and know that, okay, if I struggle and have a bad week or a bad few days, I'm not going to go bankrupt. Flat betting will kind of keep me afloat. At the risk of ticking off those who find parlay betting entertaining and they have fun with it and maybe have had and stumbled into some success with it, you're listening to a couple guys who really don't want to preach it. Now, I do (laughs) defy my own words and don't practice what I preach sometimes. However, go ahead and repeat the lesson for those who might not have heard it before as to why one should avoid parlays. Yeah, Ron, we always got to mention this anytime we talk bankroll management, um, trying to avoid parlays. So we, you know, we, we known before in previous lesson plans, we talked about the basics of sports, but what is a parlay? A parlay is when you combine multiple bets into the same uh, initial bet to try to make more money up front than you would have if you bet the games individually. So you know, parlays, you know, new bettors love them and it's kind of a get rich quick uh, thought process, but really it's uh, it provides a huge edge to the house and you're kind of playing right into the sports books hands because, you know, we talked about it before, Ron, but the hold percentage based on the stats mm-hmm. that Vegas has to report, uh, it's around 30% for parlays. It's around 5% for most individual sports. So long story short, you know, parlays, you get, you get tied in and suckered into I can, you know, I only have to drop 10 bucks, 50 bucks. I could win a thousand. I could win, you know, 20,000. But again, they're kind of the penny slot of sports betting. They're fun, but also they're very dangerous. And it's hard enough to win one bet when you start layering on more and more bets. That's when you can really get in trouble. And, you know, we've mentioned before, Ron, you know, you have a five team parlay. I hope you win it. But if you go four and one, you lose the whole thing. And if you went four and one betting each game individually, you, you stacked a couple of units and you did pretty well. So, you know, again, parlays. You know, just caution that if you're going to do them, try to make them, you know, uh, not your main method of sports betting, but if you want to do it on the weekend or you have a good edge and you want to let it ride, again, we, we always hope that you win. But just remember that, you know, flat betting, a big part of flat betting is betting games individually and grinding long term, not betting parlays, because, again, they're the penny slots of sports betting. And really, the, the house makes big money on parlays That's and, right. and the regular sports better does not. Think about the numbers that Josh just gave you. 5% on normal bets one game at a time is what the house normally gets, but 30% on parlays. There's a reason that casinos and sportsbooks are promoting parlays. That would be the reason. Okay, so when I was a kid, Bell Labs would produce these films like Donald Duck and Math Magic Land in association with Disney. Oh, man, if you're of a certain age, you know that movie that you saw in class. And you learned how to play pocket billiards, or actually billiards without pockets. You learned all the angles, and I thought, hey, they're teaching me how to gamble in school. Bell Labs, who knew? I'm wondering if J.L. Kelly Jr. in 1956 was the guy who I saw in Donald Duck and Math Magic Land, but we do know this much. He's the guy behind the Kelly Criterion. He is, and uh, Ron, I think uh, he's probably looking down and uh, knowing that he, he really influenced your early life as a better. So maybe he's taking I'm wondering some credit. if it was him, yeah. You're going to have to give him uh, a little vig here and there to uh, give him a shout-out. But, um, yeah, you know, what's funny is Kelly Criterion, again, this is a name, this is a, a term, another bankroll management strategy that is really the complete opposite of flat betting. So what are you doing with Kelly Criterion? What you're doing is you're weighting your plays based on confidence level but it's not confidence in terms of emotion or you know just a feeling or a gut instinct it's a confidence level based on real hard statistics and data so what you're trying to do with kelly criterion is basically maximize your profits by risking more on games that you have a quote-unquote bigger edge on or you have a bigger statistical advantage over the house 
So if, let's say you have two games, you've selected both of them, but one game you have a bigger edge, you say maybe the line should be minus three, but the books are out of pick them. Boom, I'm going to bet more on that game because I have a bigger perceived edge, a bigger advantage overall. So Warren Buffett, we all know, you know, he's really the, the GOAT when it comes to Kelly Criterion. He's kind of in the investment community, been someone who um, will kind of use the Kelly Criterion strategy to bet more on uh, stocks and investments that he has a, a bigger perceived edge on. Hmm. Um, what's funny to me, though, is, you know, Kelly Criterion, it's used by a lot of sharp bettors and it's it can be very successful. And I it's funny, I ran into um, uh, an old buddy uh, that I met actually a few years ago at the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. I was doing, um, I was kind of just uh, talking to him about, you know, bankroll management strategy, how important it is. And I'm talking about flat betting. And he says, what are you doing? You can't flat bet. You got to use Kelly Criterion. You got to wait your plays. And he made a very compelling argument. Um, but what's kind of just the caution with Kelly Criterion is that it's very complicated and it's difficult. And you really need to be an analytics guy or girl, a bit a math person. You got to think in numbers, think in data. You have to be able to um, basically create win probabilities. And uh, if you ever look at someone who has Kelly criteria, like their Excel sheets on their computer, their pivot tables, the, their modeling, it's like a whole new world. And, you know, it's like, you know, reading Chinese when, when you've never seen it before. So it, it's difficult. It's also very beneficial if you can make it work. And I think the goal is that, you know, if you're a true sharp, you can set your own power ratings, you can set your own lines, you use Kelly Criterion. We don't want to say that Kelly Criterion, uh, good or bad, you should do it or not do it. It's all about kind of, you know, if you if you are a math-minded person, it can be very profitable, but it's just very difficult if you don't know how to create these advanced models and formulas. So it's kind of unreachable for a lot of new bettors. But um, if you know, if you're goodwill hunting and you can write complex math equations on chalkboards, Ron, then Kelly Criterion is for you. Uh, but if not, especially new bettors, flat betting is the much easier, simpler, kind of safer way to go. Two plus two count as a complicated math equation because I don't <laughs> go much beyond that. I, let me ask you this. I'm a guy who, based on horse racing, I will look for overlays. Overlays are when you see a price in which you think that you're going to get more with that price than it really deserves. You see a game in baseball, let's say, and you think an underdog should be say, uh, plus 150, and you're seeing it on the board, though, that they're offering it at plus 225, that's an overlay in your mind. So around the edges of what we're talking about here in terms of flat betting, I occasionally will go in and say, look, I have confidence here because I think that that price is much better than I deserve. If I nibble around the edges like that, Josh, am I going against my own basic theory? Is it wrong to do that? Well, it's tough to say. I mean, I think, you know, when you're when you're managing your bankroll, again, it's all about, you know, what you're comfortable with. And I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, here and there, maybe doing a little more if you have a strong edge. You know, I'm of the opinion of I just grind long term flat betting and I make every play the same. You know, again, that probably hurts me sometimes when, um, you know, maybe uh, I, I cover a game by a huge margin or it's not even close and I win. And I always say, man, I should have bet more on it. But then there's also times where I'll lose a bet and be glad I only bet my one unit instead of betting more. So again, I think, you know, if you see a bigger edge, if you've really done your homework and I would consider it more of the exception than the rule and you okay. have identified a bigger edge, then I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with maybe betting a little more on that. But I would just, you know, again, I flat betting to me is you're going to see the most out of it and the most rewards out of it when you're the most consistent with it. When you 
kind of vary and go more here, less there, then you're, you're kind of um, not throwing away, but you're kind of making it harder to uh, to win long term because then you're letting, and then it gets harder because then your bias creeps in more and more and more. So again, if it's here and there, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But if that becomes a situation where you're kind of going against the flat betting tenants and it, you kind of cycle or spiral the other way, then maybe it's a little dangerous. But again, I'm, I'm just of the opinion that flat betting long term, um, I'm comfortable with that and it's a long term grind. But again, if I if I was a uh, MIT Harvard whiz, uh, Ron, you and I, maybe, maybe we'd uh, maybe we'd think otherwise and go Kelly. I think Josh just told me politely I should rethink some of my strategy, and I think <laughs> I shall. All right. Now, don't bet with your heart. Bet with your head. And Josh gave me a note here about how gambling is like a glass of wine a night. Ten or more, you're in trouble. Ten? I want to hear about Josh's trouble when we come back on the Everything Guide to Sports Betting on VSIN. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
VSIM podcast featuring the everything guide to sports betting with Josh Applebaum, Ron Flatter. Limit your bets and don't bet with your heart, bet with your head. Lessons to wrap up what we're going to discuss today. So let's start out. What is this? Ten glasses of wine. Josh, what are you doing, man? Hey, I'm glad you I'm glad you teased there, Rob, because this is uh <laughs> this this makes a lot of sense to me, and I think this will kind of put it in perspective. So um, number one, when you're betting on sports bankroll management, isn't just the money you've set aside for betting and how much you're going to bet each game. It also comes into account how many games are you betting each night. And kind of the worst and quickest ways to lose your money is by betting too many games overall. Mm-hmm. Because once you bet too many games and you get down, and again, this is so it's so, so much uh, easier said than done. Uh, because especially you know on a regular night, you might have you know, 15 games in, in, uh, in one sport, 10 in the other, and you add them up and there's so, you know, you look at the board and there's so much value and you want to bet all these different games, but the more games you bet, basically the more, uh, you're pushed up against the wall mm-hmm. and the odds makers and the sports books have an advantage over you because even if you win, um, the juice that you're paying is going to, you know, the juice is going to chip away at your winnings overall. So betting too many games is kind of the quickest way to lose your money, quickest way to go bankrupt. And if you can be disciplined and limit your number of bets and even know that if I don't find any value, I'm going to lay off. You don't have to bet every single day. Um, That disciplined approach is really going to carry you long term. But just getting back to the glass of wine comment here, Ron, uh, if I were to say to you, uh, and I believe this is true, I've heard it many times, um, basically a glass of wine each night with dinner is totally cool. I believe even red wine helps your heart. I don't know if that's true, Ron, but uh, I hope it does. But if you are then uh, drinking 10 glasses of wine each night, then you're in trouble. Then you're going to have a problem. <laughs> then we're going to have to uh, call up AA and, uh, and hopefully get you sorted out. But um, that's kind of the same thing with betting. When you're betting, you know, one game, a few games each night, okay, I, I the benchmark I give is five or less. Again, okay. this is – it's tough because, you know, there are different times of year where more sports are going on. So, you know, one time of year – having five games might be a low amount or a big amount. You know, again, right. it depends on the time of year. But NCAA um, tournament, for instance. Exactly, yeah. And that's when you get, a, you know, a lot of games. You know, a regular night in baseball, you're having 15 games per night. So um, I would just get into the habit of always erring on the side of, uh, if I'm not super confident, lay off. If I haven't done yeah. my homework and identified an edge, lay off. And when you're betting 10, you know, 15 games a night, that's really when you're getting in trouble. Now, I don't want to you know, paint with a broad brush here because there are betters who we call volume betters who really, you know, bet a lot of games and that's because they have an edge and um, they have a big bankroll and, you know, that there is something to be said there. You know, maybe they're uh, looking for discrepancies in the market in terms of prices, you know, it's kind of scraping lines here and there. So if you're a volume better, we're not, we don't want to say, you know, heavy volume is always bad because there are volume betters who can do well with it. But I just think, especially for new betters, um, try to limit yourself to five games or less a night. Uh, when you're getting 10 or more, that's when it gets iffy. And, you know, I hope you go 10 and 0. I hope you go 8 and 2. I hope you go 6 and 4. But you could go, we've had nights where, you know, 0 and 10, 1 and 9, 2 and 8, and one bad night can really, really ruin your day, oh, ruin yeah. your week. And um, that's kind of the situation uh, that I would try to avoid overall. Okay. Limit your bets and just try to be disciplined. Do you ride hot streaks? Uh, I hope the hot streak continues, Ron, and I I, I continue to bet if uh, if I'm doing well and I've identified an edge. Um, and, but again, I don't think 
um, in terms of when you're hot, you want to bet more. Don't ever double down. Don't chase when you're doing poorly. Kind of that long-term, just consistent discipline approach to me, whether you're good or bad. And again, when you're doing well, you're never as good as when you're super hot. You're never as bad as when you're really cold. There's always somewhere in the middle. So hope the hot streak continues, but um, regression always comes in at some point, Ron. Now you talk about as well adjusting your bankroll and doing so at least once a year. So what's the basis on which you do that? Yeah, so I look at it as, you know, one thing when you're talking about bankroll management is you don't want to be changing your bankroll and changing your unit size all the time. You don't want to change it once a week uh, or even once a month. You know, you want to kind of stick with what you have and just kind of ride it out because again, there will be ups, there will be downs. You don't want to get into a situation where you have one good week, you've adjusted your bankroll, you're now betting more and more each game, but then you get cold and you kind of lose it all. You want to just stick with that bankroll that you've created uh, throughout most of the year, most of the entire year. Um, But pop quiz, Ron, when Mm -hmm. or what time of year would be considered the better's vacation? Ooh, the better's vacation. I'm tempted to say summertime right around the baseball all-star break you are boom you got it gold star you got it ron yeah just like when you're uh when you get summers off from school that's that's the betters vacation because again you're talking sports betting um if you're in it and you're serious about it it's a it's a 365 you know uh full year operation you just go from sport to sport to sport but there is a time of year when it dies down a little bit and that's really your summer months that's when you know, you've gotten, uh, you know, NBA finals out of the way, the Stanley Cup playoffs, really, um, and football's long gone. And really, all, all you have is baseball. And kind of those months of, you know, I would say maybe like, you know, late July, early August, really when you're getting ready for the next football season, because football is king. Football is, you know, that's really your money maker, And that's when you kind of gear your calendar around football. But to me, it's that late July, early August time period where, you start prepping for football. Okay, let's adjust and assess our bankroll. So what does that mean? Uh, here's a good example, Ron. Let's say you started off with $1,000 in September, the previous September, mm-hmm. uh, when you started betting um, You know your, your last football season. You were betting 30 bucks a game. That's your 3%. You've turned that 1000 into 1500 So over the last, what is that, eight, nine months or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you've turned 1000 into 1500 okay, let's reassess our bankroll during this downtime as we get ready for the next football season. Multiply that 1500 by 0.03, now you're at 45 bucks a game. Uh, on the flip side though, you could be losing and maybe you struggled and maybe it was your first you know, full season or you know, fl- first full uh, football season and you had some bad beats, you learned a lot, but you had some losses. You started with a thousand, you're down to 500 bucks. So what do you do? Do you continue to bet 30 a game? When you only have 500, no, you would want to reassess your bankroll, multiply it by your 0.03, and now you're betting 15 bucks a game instead of 30 bucks a game. So again, don't get in the habit of adjusting your bankroll all the time. Use that better's vacation time to really um, audit your plays, reassess, learn about yourself. And Ron, this all is in the backdrop of you got to document your plays. You got to track all your bets, learn about who you are, learn about um, your, your strongest sports, strongest bet types. Maybe I'm terrible in the NBA at spread, but I'm, I did great with totals. Uh, those are the things you want to learn about yourself, know your strengths and weaknesses, but know that that better's vacation is a good time to reassess your bankroll. 
In closing, I do want to bring up the head versus heart thing again and circle back to that a little bit from this standpoint. I'm a San Francisco Giants fan, but very often I avoid betting on or against the Giants because my emotions come into play. Yet Amal Shah from VSIN will say that that's stupid because he's an Ohio State graduate and he says he doesn't bleed the... Buckeyes colors of scarlet and gray, but instead he bleeds green. And as long as you think instead of react in a visceral, heartfelt way, that you should be able to bet on or against anything as long as you're doing it with your brain. I get his point, but what's your take on all that? I mean, I agree with them all. I think, you know, I think it's a good point that he brought up. Definitely it's much harder. I think, uh, you know, there's such things as a fan tax, you know, where... Um, I love the Patriots and Ron, you know what, what can happen? I bet against the Pats. Why is that a fan tax? Because either way I win, yes. I either win my bet or my team won. So, right. you know, you can kind of make the case for that, but I think Ron's overall point is important. You know, um, cover up the names of the teams, you know, look at the data, look at the matchups, try to make the smartest bet you can based on, um, hard analytics and hard data, bet with your head, not your heart. And, um, again, you don't want to get in a situation where, you are biased toward your favorite teams and only betting, um, you know, your, your beloved Giants just because you're the, the Giants fan or you're going to the game or you want action. Make sure there's a reason behind it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing overall. And then, of course, you always got to mention, Ron, you know, uh, never chase. Um, this is the biggest thing you're going to hear a lot. When you're losing, don't bet more and more and bet more in each game to try to dig yourself out of that hole. Uh, when you're really winning and doing well, don't get super overconfident, double down, and think that it's going to last forever. But then on the flip side, this is also important. A great philosopher, Ron, once said, scared money don't make no money. So don't lay off uh, just because you're scared or you're struggling. You could forfeit value that way as well. And I think the, the long and short of it here with today's lesson is manage your bankroll with discipline. Manage it with consistency. Take your, uh, you know, your bias and favoritism out of it grind it long term and um, I think that's what's really going to keep you afloat uh, throughout the long haul and the ups and downs of sports betting. Who was that philosopher? <laughs> uh, it was the I be, uh, believe it or not I think it was the great philosopher Young Jeezy or uh, or one of the great philosophers um, who's won many many an Oscar uh, or many a, a Grammy down the road. Okay. Well, I'll I'll look that up. Can you tell <laughs> the age difference there? Wow. <laughs> All right, the young man is Josh Applebaum, the geezer is Ron Flatter, and hopefully we've taught you how to budget your money and invest wisely as you gamble on the Everything Guide to Sports Betting from VSIN. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.